You're watching EXPN The Experience, and I'm your very best friend, Dirk Bradley. No, you're not, and I'm Warren Rustborough. We're three rooms deep into the forged-out dungeon of Anus, and Team Gold Dragon has just graped a brambly bully into submission. Tell me, Rusty, you ever see somebody use a fruit as a weapon and not just a dietary threat? No, Dirk, I can't say that I have. Yikes. Who let the grump method climb up your back nine? I'm fine. I smell horse plop. Usually you're as calm as a funeral and twice as fun. Right now you're angry as a hornet in a bottle of second wind fight fuel. Just waiting to sting the tongue out of some unsuspecting me. Not that it's any of your business, Dirk, but I've been... recently... <sighs> oh, come on, Ross Monster. You can honest up with old D-Brad. Okay, but only if you never say that again. Deal! I don't have a ton of friends on Zenith yet. So I applied for a membership at the local historian's guild. They hold regular wine tastings and have been featuring some brilliant seminars regarding the evolution of archaeology in the Outer Plains. I was very eager to join the fold. Wow, that sounds like a real toe tickler. Gross old grape juice and gross old people talking about what I can only assume is gross stuff. I'll pass. But it sounds right up your alley. Why the grumps? I... didn't get accepted. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Local celebrity, book-writing book guy, and all-around intimidating brainist? You should be captain of the Boring Society. Ernesto Mandrigal. Ah, oh, jeez, you gotta be kidding me. Not Ernie Mandrake. That tool? Are you going to ask me who Ernesto Mandricor is? Yes, please. He's a shoddy half-wit historian who hates my guts. I had no idea he was the head of the Board of Elders. Ah, that makes sense then. Well, tough biscuits, Rust. There's always next year, right? That's like a year thing? <sighs> who knows, Dirk? You're not going to ask why he hates my guts? Nope. Trust me, Rust. I am not lacking in imagination in that category. Well, maybe we can watch history in the making as Team Gold Dragon charges forward in their Forge Challenge. Stay tuned to find out. Damn you, Mandricor. Forge, you have found yourselves in a momentary peace. While weighing the Cyclopean Briar Warden down so hard it ain't gonna move anytime soon, and freeing yourselves from the constraining vines of the growing grapes in the middle of that room, you have made your way safely to what feels like a corner or an edge with the urn in tow. Now, keep things organized and keep things moving, we are going to continue seeing what you all do one at a time. Think of it like your own strange little confessionals, but everybody's in the background too. Right. Uh, pretty glad we didn't leave the inn at the beginning of the area, as I don't really want to go past that uh, son of a bitch again. Thanks. Did you see the amount of grapes you could swallow at once? <laughs> Just guzzling them down. Is everyone all right? Uh, Gaspar, Penny, you seem to be injured. Quite so. Penny is rocking back and forth a little bit. I think now would be a fine time, perhaps, to use the healing potions we brought. You should each have one, yes? Now would be a convenient time, yes. I'll uh, pop open healing potion and make a cheers motion to Penny. Pour it in your hole. Do you want to <laughs> clink, clink potion glasses with me? Uh, she reluctantly nods and... 
removes the potion from her her things and and clinks. Penny, are you okay? You should be reveling. We are about to chug. I, yes, of course. It it wasn't that bad. I'm a little injured. I I just it it brought back some memories. Do those horrible creatures exist in your home plane? Uh, they are they are from my home plane. Doesn't seem like something that exists in a place of revelry. While this is happening, I think Hal's just going to go over to the statue and point its hands at the other, the one uh, tile in this room that we can go through that doesn't take us to the room we were just in. With a deep and stony click, the caryatid points its hands, of course, with your help, at the tile in the northern side of the room. The Queen's North. The Queen's North. Oh my God. As it again sinks deeper than the stone should allow. You're going to watch as Gaspar takes a finger, puts it into a hole into his neck stump, and gapes his esophagus to get this potion down. You've made a a fundamental misunderstanding as you think that Hal is going to watch that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Someone else might. Hal does not. Can you make it like one of those water coolers where you just stick it in? It's like, (laughs) oh, yeah. Uh, I'll do the spiral. Mm. So that way it just makes a whirlpool yeah. and all the potion just goes in. <laughs> nice and foamy. <laughs> so quick. Penny nods and just downs the potion with a single drink. She regains eight hit points. Gaspar regains eight hit points as well. Buddies. Is there anything different about this room? This room appears fairly identical to the first room, save for the presence of the urn. Well, I suppose the presence of the urn is here now, what, because you brought it in here. But there ain't no extra urn in this room. Having only one exit makes it quite easy to make our choice. That is correct. (laughs) That's why I already pointed the statue at it. I agree. Let's not waste time. Hal drags the urn over and steps on the tile. The room you appear in, urn in tow, is slightly different than the rest. The ground shaggier and overgrown more with the moss that you have come to grow comfortable with under your boots. Or whatever it is that Penny puts on her little dear feet. This room has no tiles on the ground. At least none you can obviously see. And its caryatid is even more overgrown than the rest. Suppose we have to find one of those tiles. Perhaps hidden under this thick underbrush. Sure, I'm happy to assist with that. Let's take a look with the old eyeballs. I'm going to put on my glasses ceremoniously. They do insight stuff, which doesn't help with finding tiles. <laughs> no, it does But not. it does let me cast guidance on myself. Oh. Hold on, let me just get my glasses. <laughs> Would you make me an investigation check upon the room, if that is what you are so using? As Iavos is... Searching through the brush, Penny is going to work to um, remove the heaviest parts of it and kind of move it aside and uncover whatever's there for Iavos. Fantastic. Oh, well, I rolled the same number on both d20, so it doesn't matter. And that makes me total a 15 because I'm not trained in investigate. But I'm schmurt. I'm schmort. With the two of you working together, clearing away patches of brush and moss, not only do you find two parts of what appears to be a shattered tile, but three depressions in the ground where a tile could go. These two parts, however, do not a complete tile make. So we're missing a piece, and then it seems we 
may be able to place it in the corner that we choose. Perhaps. Should we fan out and look for the last tile piece? Hal will look in the alms bowl. Currently, nothing sits in the alms bowl, save for a small clump of moss tossed aside by one of the two searchers. All right, it's not here. Is there an area that hasn't been searched yet? There is plenty of growth and greenery left about the ground, even after Penny and Iovos search through it. Then Gaspar will start working on some of that. Would you like to make me an investigation check? Investigated. That is a 15. Wedged and perched into a corner, overgrown thoroughly and playing host to its own mossy haircut, you find the final piece (laughs) of the tile. What fits with the other two? Well done, Gaspar. Thank you. No, I'm proud of you. (laughs) I forgot about that line. I'm proud of myself. (laughs) As well you should be. So, do we only have one option then? Put these things together and then... There are three sockets in which the tile could go. Queen's northbound, eastbound, or southbound. The way you just came. I suppose east makes sense if we want to head towards the middle, and north if we want to try to make it to the farthest end. May I listen for more rumbling? Of course you can. Perception. I did it. That's a three. The moss in this room does well to deaden and quiet sounds around you. It almost feels as if it were a tomb. Sorry, we just have to put ourselves in the shoes of this Undaedalus character? Yep. We just have to try and figure out where do we think he'd put the la- that last room? Uh, would he put it in the farthest corner? It's pretty obvious if that's where he put it or do we think he'd put it right in the middle it seems unlikely we'd be able to get to it from one of the very first rooms but maybe with as many dungeons as he's devised that's somewhere he would put it because he thinks that we'd think that was the last place he would put it so we just have to think what he thinks what we think he's going to think (laughs) Hal once again you are three moves ahead of everybody including yourself In this delicate game of chess, you just got a royal flush, sir. (laughs) But first, there's something to be tended to. Taking a long, old, rusted sewing needle off of his necklace of many household objects, Iavos goes to the shattered tile and uh, says, With gentle hands and songs soft-spoken, she mends the things that life has broken, and weaving it, in and out, as though this was a fabric, he casts mending on the tile. With your skilled and talented magic, what was once three, well, what was once one, then was three, is now one again. Now you're thinking like Halifan. It's the full sequence of events. (laughs) (laughs) So, north or east? One leads towards a logical end, perhaps, if this is built like some sort of rodent's maze, and one leads towards the center, which may be the most educational, but least likely for completion. Hal's going to move the statue's arms around and see if there's a direction that the arms point easier, as though they're more worn to pointing that direction. The easiest direction that the statue seems to point is a nice, neutral direction comfortable middle 
not toward any particular uh, tile or another. My vote is to the north. I agree. From our starting position, then no matter what way we go, it would take a while to get there versus the middle. I would imagine that this strange old architect would like to see us drag this urn as far as possible. So the longest route is probably the most logical. Yep. Uh, let's do it. For the queen, to the north. To the queen of the north. <laughs> <laughs> the queen of the north. <laughs> Though this room looks in many ways like... Several of the others you've been in so far, its caryatid holds something remarkably different in two of its hands. Crossed over each other and attached by age and masonry, in one hand it holds a blade and in the other a wand. Though the tiles on the ground look much like the others you have seen, the north-facing tile is decorated on its right and left by a cup and a star. I feel like this means something, but I have no idea what. The shuddering, grinding sound is again louder in this room. Does anyone know anything about blades, wands, cups, and stars? Does that ring any bills? <sighs> They're the four suits. Uh, I look down. I don't have any stars or hearts on my suit. No, the, um... Cards that are used in divination. These are the four suits that you find them in. Yes, I recognize these images uh, from my sister's book. Uh, I've seen them, I think, on playing cards as well. Well, I mean, really, all games of gambling come from divination. Ultimately, they're all about learning your fate. Well then, Penny, what would you make of these clues we've been given based on your knowledge of the different suits? Um... I'm afraid it doesn't make a lot of immediate sense to me. Uh, the statue is holding two suits. There, There's a suit on either side of the tile to the north. But is there any difference in how we choose it? Don't look at me. I've got no idea. No one's ever accused me of playing with a full dick. Well, this is the first tile we've seen that's different than the others. Perhaps it may be worth exploring what's on the other side, and it does correlate with the objects the statue holds. Or maybe it's all an elaborate trip he's set up to make us think it's important when it's actually irrelevant. This court you speak of, do they value balance among the suits, or should they all be on one side? Then again, they are fae, so chaotic? <sighs> Sorry, that's as much as I know. My my people did not did not use them. We, um, the Ev Damon, they liked to throw bones. Hmm. Perhaps a misnomer, perhaps a very clear clue. Gaspar is going to cross swords with the statue in an attempt to direct it to the northern tile. Locking your blades in with the statue, you feel like you are not the first to make this dance or make this offering. As your blade is... Pressed in against it, you fill a role that has been filled time and time before, in an act never changing or never ending. You bring the arms of the statue toward the north, and the tile again appears deep. I am not saying that we should go there. I just wanted to see if the statue would move. Well, if my understanding of the layout of this place is 
accurate and I've been keeping track. If we went in that direction, we would be in the exact opposite diagonal portion of this dungeon than we entered from. No matter what is going on with this door, I think this is the right way. Mm, well, or the wrong one. Well, it's a coin toss either way, so let us onward. Together? Together. Hands held around the urn. <laughs> the first thing your senses swell with when you step into this room is the rushing sound and fresh scent of falling water. A creek is birthed from a waterfall spraying from the northwestern corner of the room. Clear and clean water comes from between large stones that look cobbled, masoned, tooled over time. The chunks of old castles and palaces now given to nature. At their base and swelling upward the same pattern of paint from the sides of the urn, black at the base, blue near the top, and clouds above, with animals moving and dancing throughout them. Shattered pieces of pottery sit at the base of the waterfall. An urn to the falls. Life and death flow as one there. Calm and surrendered. That was the middle verse. Ye? You, uh, do you think I need to present the urn to the waterfall? Perhaps. It does seem fairly guided that way by the verse. I pick the urn up over my head like a well-known video game character getting ready to launch. It's incredibly heavy. I'm pretty strong. All right. <laughs> what say we all? There's no way this could be the end. If the urn breaks, that might count as us opening it. So perhaps if we set it down gently... Yeah, I think lowering it with some caution is the way to go. I cautiously lower the urn back to the ground. <laughs> the verse said calmly, yes? It did. Perhaps in reference to the water, but it seems logical to make it a direct translation to how we place the urn. Where are you to put the urn? I place the urn under the falls. With every step Halifon Orison takes towards the waterfall, memories creep back. The Briar Wardens never saw too well. Blind beyond twenty feet. You remember sneaking past them. Was it you or someone else? A dark grove. A dark creature. Nourished and grown into something horrible. And as he places the urn beneath the waterfall, you remember that the Briar Wardens were never meant to keep you from the wood, but rather keep the wood from you. The urn, when submerged into the water, begins to groan from the inside. As it swells, its pottery splits and shatters, falling to pieces in the nourishing water. But from that water, the sapling inside the urn begins to take form. Small at first, but growing rapidly, ancient in the blink of an eye. Bark black like death and reeking of rot as the wailing tree takes form in front of you. Your mother had worked hard to scrub the memories clean 
But as the wood comes to shape, for a moment you glimpse in its grain faces. Only for a moment, and then gone. The being that stands before you now took everything from you once, and its black sap oozes with despair, apathy, and acquiescence to the inevitability of death. Welcome back to Major Image. When it comes to fantasy fashions and modern magic, nobody cuts to the chase like Aspen Van Caster. Buckle up your overburdened belts and strap on your thinking helms because it's time for Aspen's Quickened Fashion Report. With new teams clamoring for Hero Rank Ascension, we're seeing new products getting pumped out like crawler eggs from all the major names and adventure accessories. First up, we have the new Blockmore Air Max Breastplate. This firmly forged steel chest piece offers the lightest weights available for medium armor, in case your hero-to-be didn't make investments in strength trading. This aerodynamic Aegis clocks in at just under 10 pounds, but the major flaw in modeling is rampant perforations. Sure, you can feel the wind hit your nipples while the blood is flying, but if it's big enough for an arrow, you're missing the point. I gave it a 2 out of 10 for concept, 5 out of 10 for style, and a 10 out of 10 for functionally oversized cheese grating. Next is the Beastly Barding Brand's Falconer's Gauntlet, Model 9. Soft padded lambskin lining with triple-layered hard leather, stained and burned for a distressed look that has all the rangers reveling. Not only does it look fresh to death with any armor ensemble, but this thing works. Made for a falcon, but strong enough for a storm drake. 9 out of 10 for this pet-centric accessory. And last is the new Statmore Battle Camel, a lightweight, form-fitting travel backpack that houses a soft chamber to hold up to a liter of your favorite beverage affixed to a hose accessible by the shoulder. Since when did water skins go out of style? Rumor has it they were designed for quick access to healing potions, but it turns out all the shaking, body heat, and open-air access spoils the expensive consumables in under a day. 4 out of 10 for practicality, but 10 out of 10 if you refuse to go toe-to-toe with cultists without a constant stream of red wine pouring down your throat. Put that in your sack and suck it. This has been Major Image with Aspen Van Caster. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon. A keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Ether date G28833. This is Captain Raymond. This may be my final recording. Power is fading. Hope is fading. I've been alone for 87 days now. When the Parabella got attacked by extremists, we got to the escape hatches as soon as we could. Logically, being the highest ranking officer, I was the first to get onto an escape pod. We grabbed whatever supplies were in reach, and some of us made out better than others. I have very little doubt the rest of my crew is dead fired off into nothingness in their own parts, flying coffins on a sea of black in neon. My rations are almost out. I fear I may be losing my mind. So if anyone finds this, just know these are likely my last words. First, please be kind and try to understand your fellow man. Being alone means even missing the times with those I hated most. Second, 
If you have to grab rations to survive, don't go for the ice cream first. It gets old after 29 days. And last, be sure to visit manscaped.com for all your body hair maintenance needs. One of the crates aboard my pod was a part of a shipment of Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 grooming kits. It comes with the lawnmower 4.0 with skin-safe ceramic blades to avoid any hole damage and a powerful LED light to help navigate in the darkest place. It also includes the Weed Whacker for ear and nose hair removal to help tidy up your black holes. The Ball Reviver deodorant to make you ready to greet unexpected visitors. The Ball Toner for the softest touch in the galaxy. Not to mention the addictively comfortable boxer briefs. The irony of my extended isolation is that my celestial body has never been so pure and silky. My lower deck and captain's log are spotless and ready for takeoff. I smell and feel wonderful, despite these weeks alone. If I'm to leave a corpse behind, let it be clean-shaven and sweet-smelling so they can remember me as I lived. Oh, and be sure to use code LUQ for 20% off and free shipping on your delivery. Captain's Orders. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, all you cuties. I welcome you with open arms into this, the mid-roll of the episode. The Forge is Heating Up as our guest DM, Max Hobbs, brings the magic to the LUQ table, and we had an absolute blast playing with it. We just finished our live LUQ game at Rose City Comic Con, which is our first live show of any kind. And it was a ton of fun. We all really enjoyed it, and I think we left a great impression on the audience. We hope to do more live shows in the future, so if you couldn't make it this time, maybe we'll see you at the next one. In the meantime, to help support LUQ and become part of the LU community, which is a word I just made up, visit theluq.com. Links are there for our amazing Discord, our merch store, links to the player bios, news, and of course, our Patreon. Money from Patreon helps keep the show going, and comes with wonderful rewards for D&D players and LUQ fans alike. At the highest tiers, you can make a character to join the battle axis and get mentioned in the show's meta, or join a legendary team to be mentioned during the mid-roll. Current teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, and the Ceaseless Horde, with Dave Mladenoff, Daniel Pickens-Jones, Patch Perryman, and Jeff Ammons. Of course, if you want to contact us or advertise with the show to get out a personal message, admin at slapdashstudios.com is the email. If you want to send us things in the mail that aren't homemade food, which is just a fun trope at this point, the P.O. Box is 230091, Tigered, Oregon, 97281. With the convention, Zach moving, and me slowly transitioning jobs, there hasn't been a lot of streaming lately, but we'll be back at it soon. To make sure you catch it all, follow Slapdash Streams on Twitch. And speaking of catching it all, me and Zach will be back to our Pokemon Soul Link Nuzlocke this Wednesday at 6pm Pacific Time. And live episodes of the LUQ will be hosted by the wonderful Dungeon Mistress Dana on Monday nights. 
Not too much to dig into this time, other than to remind you that I'm proud of you. But enough out of me, let's get you back to the battle axis. Coming this fall to EXPN, the experience. The most extreme high adrenaline street sporting event. The most forbidden competitive dark magic ritual. When the pavement meets the preternatural, it can only be the Hex Games. Professional boardlocks executing high-octane tricks in the Fiend Pit. Mind-blowing full-impact races as packed of the rollerbladers try to survive the summoning ring. Necrocyclists launching off of the Rampire over the void of eternal consumption. See impossible tricks like the 360 Noho, the Infernal Inverse, the Pentacle Tentacle, the Eldritch Blastoff, the Alignment Flip, the Short Rest Axe, 180d6 Average, the Spell Slaughter, and the Grind Spike. Horns, Spikes, Blades, Books, Blood. Black Magic hits the blacktop in the new Extreme Hex Games on EXPN. EXPN puts the EXP in extreme sports. It groans like a great oak in a storm. As it presses against the top of the room, its branches bending and scratching at the stone and masonry above. Gaspar, it's your turn. What is our plan? No... No, 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 no. This is what... This is what the Briar Wardens were protecting us from. This is... It's one of them. It's one of the shadows. It's... It's it's like the thing that took my papa. As the realization dawns on you, a fire burns in your heart, extending out into your extremities and lighting up your blade and shield. With a righteous fury. As all of you hear Penny's trembling voice, looking back and forth to each other, to the figure that can lead you from this room, and finally back at Penny, you're surprised to see that she's not shaking as wild Trillium and Crocosmias descend down her armor. The next moment, she is airborne. Ah! <laughs> There you go. <laughs> All right. Then Gaspar is just going to join Penny in the charge. He has a saber out and is going to try and find weak spots in the base of its trunk. Hopefully it doesn't have the mobility to keep up with him. That is a 14 to hit. You swing your blade at the great and cracked tree trunk of the beast in front of you. Though it bites wood, you see no reaction on the creature whatsoever. You miss. Anything else? Don't really think it's worth disengaging. That is the end of my turn. Hal, that brings it to you. All right. On Hal's turn, he is going to see Penny charging see Gaspar dash in, stabbing at the roots, and his vision kind of tunnels, and he can hear and feel the crowd around him 
and how it goes into the zone and Ooh. rages. Mm-hmm. I attack with my halberd, and I'm going to go ahead and do it recklessly. All right. That is a 22 to hit. A 22 will hit the beast as your pole axe bites deep into its being, separating wood. All right. It takes 13 points of slashing damage. Fantastic. Make me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Uh, it is a magic weapon, if that makes any difference, FYI. I, it does, but make me a dexterity save all the same. Yeah, I figured I'd be doing that still. Oh, I have advantage. I'm a barbarian. 16. As you slash into it, caustic black sludgy sap sprays backwards. At a moment's notice, you turn on your heels, watching as it slaps against the stone and sizzles into it. Ah, someone put a bunch of acid in this tree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Anyone love some acid? I found it in your tree. Uh, I think that'll be the end of Hal's turn. It's my bonus action to rage and my action to attack. Well, that sounds damn well fine, seeing as it's the tree turn now. Who's up for tree time? It's tea time? Always comforting to know a tree beats you for initiative. (laughs) (laughs) The tree thrashes its branches around and is going to make an attack against Gaspar, against Hal, and against Penny. I'm weirdly okay with this. (laughs) For the record, it has advantage to attack me because I reckless. My dear Gaspar, that is a... 24 against your AC. That'll do. Toward our barbarian Hal, that is going to be a 17 against your AC. That hits. And against Penny, we are looking at a whopping 11. That does not hit. As the branches crash down on the both of you, Penny, you are able to find a gap between them, but Gaspar and Hal are not so lucky. That is going to be... 15 bludgeoning damage and 6 acid damage each as the weeping branches find purchase in your bodies. Christ. <laughs> you know we're level 4, right? I'm just making sure. No, just kidding. Iavos. Yes. It's your turn. Oh, goody. Fear not, friends. Even the oldest tree in the forest fears the woodman's axe. And I cast Bless on my three allies, because it seems this tree likes to provoke deck saves and also has a good AC. So uh, we're checking some boxes here. I'm casting it at first level, so it's going to affect those three, and not to myself. Fantastic. A sacred aura of the God's grace fall over your allies. The blessing of family and unity. (laughs) It smells like ham. (laughs) Penny! That brings it to your turn. You took everything from me once. I won't let you do it again. One by one, as each of her allies take their turns, Penny begins to tell a story. A black-clad knight who deals in death. He counts his coins and stolen breath. A king who's burdened by his name, whose soul burns like a wand of flame. A page, his body worn and grayed, his mind as sharp as any blade. And last, a queen who counts the hour. She fills her cup and knows her power. You all 
start to feel a warm sensation, but Gaspar, you are the first to receive bardic inspiration. As Penelope screams again and ignites the tree in fairy fire, it must make a dexterity saving throw. Trees that are famously nimble get a five on their dexterity saving throw. Also, what color is your fairy fire? It lights up in golden flame. Oh, that, that... With the team and everything, I understand. (laughs) Ignite in golden flame. The tree glows like a single solitary torch in the night. With that song, with that performance, with their heart laid bare, Penny, that will bring it to Gaspar's turn, I believe. Gaspar, the floor is yours. I have taken too much damage. I must leave the front line. Gaspar, let's try the Spice Assassin. <laughs> Heard. I'm going to use my cunning action to disengage, run back towards Ayavos, and get a better vantage point by climbing onto the statue in the corner of the room. I also fold my hands into a comfortable footrest for you to vault onto the statue with. Using the foothold from your ally to climb atop the shoulders of the old caryatid, you stand elevated above the rest of your allies. Hal, at the beginning of your turn, your eyes began to well up with stinging tears, not from your own memories, but from the agonized thoughts and experiences of your companions' past lives. At the start of your turn, you can either choose to be blind until the end of your next turn, or take the damage from damaging the tree. Let's take damage, I'm a barbarian. These painful thoughts and memories well up, and as the tears spill across your cheek, they burn into your thoughts. You are going to be taking seven psychic damage at the start of your turn. All right. As that happens and Gaspar disengages, I imagine the tree attempts to attack Gaspar anyway, and Hal's going to block that strike with the butt end of his halberd and then circle around and drive the halberd into this thing, now kind of spurred on by pain. I don't need to reckless attack because Penny cast fairy fire on it already. Perfect. Let's see it. So I roll an 18 and a 14 plus five for my weapon is going to be 23 to hit this time. That's a hit. Uh, So this will be a D10 plus five. That is a nine. So 14 slashing, magical slashing damage. And when your poleaxe bites into it, will you make me a dexterity saving throw? I will. This will be affected by bless. I'm going to weed wick this tree. That's a 12. That's an 18. 21, 22. You've come to expect the spray and you jump out of the way and watch it scar the stone again. Nice. Fantastic. Well, that'll bring it back to tree time. (laughs) Raising its branches up, it is going to strike out at Hal twice and at Penny once. We are looking at a 14 versus Hal. Hits. A 24 versus Hal. Does in fact hit. And a 12 versus Penny. That does not hit. Yeah, 14 is my AC. Just can't get hit. Uh, yeah. Hal's AC is pretty low. You are the 
Oh, you're raging, aren't you? Yeah. All right, so the physical damage, which is 15 and 15, gets cut to 7 and 7, so 14 damage. Yeesh, okay. And the acid damage stays the same, so 6 and 6, 12. Ugh. Okay, the acid damage is enough to uh, finish Hal off. So as this thing just comes in and just wallops me with branches and acid and death, Hal sort of weathers those blows. And as the acid drips off of him, he looks over at Penny and he goes, Penny, you've always been stronger than you think you are. You've got this. Don't worry about me. And I go down. With his final cried bolstering, Hal disappears for a moment in a cage of scratching wood, and when the branches lift away, he lies supine upon the ground. Penny, as Hal falls, you feel overwhelmed with sorrow, misery, and depression. A crushing apathy, almost too much to bear. Yet from your friend, and through whatever enchantments ward away the love and adoration of your fans, his rage penetrates, and you feel yourself overcome with the urge to kill. Tensions are high in the dungeon of Anos Proponus, and the crowd is hungry for it. This forge is really heating up. And now we see if Gold Dragon can be tempered against these challenges. Look, I can't take Bummer Rusty anymore. Go ahead and tell me. Tell you what? Tell me why Arnie Mandark hates your giblets. The history guy. The book. Oh. Oh. Well, as you know, Dirk, I myself have long been a bit of a history fanatic as it has influenced all of my career choices as well as my writing. I am definitely aware of your writing. Well, Ernesto Mandricor has been teaching and writing history for some time. But when he published Between the Cracks, The Secrets of the Underground Gamda War, I found his research so lacking and his takes on the events therein so unsatisfactory, I published a, shall we say, less than glowing review of the book making note of the countless inaccuracies in the process. So you hated his nerd book so much, you wrote an even nerdier paper to prove your own nerdiness supreme. Well, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. Wow, someone keep an eye on this wildcat. He's a powder keg of tenacity. What can I say? I was young and full of vinegar. A real devil-may-care type. And now he won't let you into the Dead People Book Club? Man, that's a real stinker. Sounds like the only wine tasting this guy's going to will be featuring sour grapes. Wait, what happened? Someone get help. Rusty's making a noise. He's not supposed to do that. No, Dirk. No, what you said. That was very clever. Wine tasting. (laughs) Sour grapes. (laughs) I'll have to write that one down to share with my book club. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. That's me. Oh, wisecrack Bradley. You hear that, Dad? I make smart jokes now. Yes, yes. You did good. Well, folks, join us next time as we witness the edge-of-your-seat action in the final leg of this first Forge Challenge. Until then, this has been EXPN with Warren Rustborough. And D-Brad. And I take it all back.
cow. Are you going to be all right there, bud? Yeah, I gave Penny barbaric inspiration. Mm. <laughs> Is that how you do it? My <laughs> I mean, it's 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 what barbarian. Well, I mean, I was gonna say it's what barbarians are good at, but taking damage is what barbarians are good at. And that's I, what, feel, mm, that's I feel I feel like it makes sense for a barbaladin to be able to like you know yeah, give yeah. a dying boost of, of inspiration. Hey, yeah. If taking damage makes you a barbarian, I think I have something for that. Yeah. <laughs> give an honorary badge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that you're supporting your team with it. You're making anger ganger. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Very nice. Martyr combat. Jesus. Has Hal gone down often? Um, Not on the field. Whoa. No, I'm pretty sure only Penny has gone down. In... In canon, yes. Although in our practice round, we we try oh, to play. Wait we try to play called Suicide Hal that resulted oh. in Hal immediately getting knocked to zero in the very first round of combat. Uh, oh, and then one of my spells took away your last two death saves. Right, I yeah, think. and then I almost like killed him. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> AOE burst spell. Oh, I kind of wish we had recorded that practice right. combat because it was a great example of how I tend to play very strategic and tactical enemies. Right, and, like, right. It was and, very scary. And like learning, that's the first time that we ran with Zach and. Yeah, and and Hell and learning yeah. learning that just because I'm a, a barbarian doesn't I didn't have rage yet I don't think or something and it was just like it didn't matter yeah <laughs> not enough Irrelevant. health to withstand anyway out. five attacks at once yeah I'd like to start by asking who who is the play of the game and who is the MVP here and what is the MVP what is the MVP <laughs> what is an MVP um, MV tree MV tree. Ooh. I thought this one was very cool. There's a lot of stuff I like in it. Oh, good. I'm glad. What is the MVP? I mean, MVP, most damage in the game right now. It's got to be the tree. <laughs> the stats don't lie. Yeah, this tree's putting in work. It's putting in work. It's like, true. Like, yeah, its stat vine is pretty strong. Right. Yeah. Like the, the trading card for the tree. It has very good. This like, is its rookie year. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's got trample. <laughs> it's a 5-5. Five five. Um, this thing's hitting like a 6-7 even power. Swinging right. 7? Yeah. Shit. 21 damage per hit? That's a That's a big one. Round. That's an Iavos per turn. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how much health Iavos has? I have a hair more than 21, but not much. Hey, don't get close to the tree. Uh, trying. You cool. put us in a little room. I did. <laughs> you that put us did. in a shoebox and said, avoid the badger. <laughs> what about the play of the game? I, the Dana's poems always hit. I think that's Yeah, I like that poem. I like Very angry. True. I like battle poem. Yeah. yeah. Battle poem was good. I, I support that. I think once we see the damage of the Spice Assassin, next episode might have that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're about to. We're what about el- to what element is the, the Spice Assassin? <laughs> yeah. You know what it is. Is it pepper? You know what it is. <laughs> it's a spearmint element. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so okay. who rolled last? So Dana's got to roll. So I'm going to roll a d4. Okay. And it's a one, so that's going to go back to law. Okay. That's fine with me. <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening. Let's go around the table and introduce the players and our guest at DM, starting with Michael Loving. I play Halifon Orison Jr. I tried to call him Haladin. Uh, I've done that before, I think. <laughs> Haladin Orifon? Yeah, Haladin Orifon, the unconscious barbarian paladin. You can catch me on this show, on season one of this show, on God's Fall, and... By the time this releases, you should be able to hear me guest star as uh, the goblins in the show Kill Every Monster on the Does It Roll podcast network. Hell yeah. I'm playing like a dozen goblins. It's great. I'm Angelo Kaluuig. 
I play Gaspar, the headless rogue of the Phantom subclass, and one half of a spice assassin. <laughs> Are you the what spice a- or the assassin? Yeah. Of course you didn't go with ash assassin. I... Spice makes me laugh, and it was it's, so dumb. There's that I a lot of it. these. We've got a lot of them. I am Dana Ebert. I play Penny. It's one penny of many pennies, but she's mine, and I love her. And hopefully, <laughs> you love her too. She's a bard warlock. Uh, I am Law. I play Avos Isadora, witness to the Withering Acre, and uh, creative director of Slapdash. I'm Zach Barkas. I'm Dungeon Boy for Battle Axis. I am also the technical director for Slapdash Studios. I want to thank Bree Golden for our fantastic map here. I want to thank Sam Hediger the Editor for editing this episode. And I want to thank Max Hobbs for being here as our guest DM. Take it away, Max. Hello, you lovely, 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 lovely people. Uh, my name is Max oh, Hobbs. I'm sorry, we've officially said there are only worth three lovelies. Hello, you lovely people my name is max hobbs uh i am the uh co-host of the help action podcast you can find us at help-action.com and wherever you listen to fucking podcasts i have been playing the everything else in this dungeon and uh, honorary dungeon boy an honorary and i wear the honor with fucking pride (laughs) uh yeah that's me oh it's me yes i'm still here You know what to do. If you haven't visited the website, it's honestly a really great way to get links to everything you need to find out more about the cast, our social media, our Patreon, which is loaded with juicy, juicy rewards. And you gotta, you listen, you and me ignore whoever's around you right now. You're listening to law right now. Get on the discord. What are you doing? Why aren't you there yet? You're missing out on good stuff. Really good people. Spoilers are marked. Spoilers are marked. There's memes. We'd watch movies. Uh, it's fucking great. I check in once a week and respond to all the messages that I missed in one block of responses. <laughs> Honestly, it's going to be better than you could imagine the best discord you can. It's fucking better than that. Yeah. I promise. Also, we are going to be having Rose City coming up soon. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest, keep your eyes out for that. It's going to be on Sunday. Uh, we'll be releasing more information on that as often as we can when we get updates. Sunday, the what? B12th. There you go. And you know what? Until next time, we wish you luck. <laughs>